Hello, and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Sarah Blakemore. Remember, you can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. On the program today... We'll be telling you about Mad Dog Strong, how one family's transformed tragedy into hope for others. Love it. And we're going to talk about how anger can mask shame. Ooh, okay. We'll delve into that right here, The Gifted Life. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. Yep. Here we go. Hi, everybody here on The Gifted Life. We are excited, right? So yes, we are. we're in this room. We've been um, talking about this amazing hero, and there are so many supporters that are joining us now uh, by phone. And our goal is to work together to make life happen. You listening there, you are part of our team. So I'm going to start with Kevin Smont. Hey, Kevin. Good afternoon. Hey, hey, Kevin is with Gift of Hope in Illinois. We appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you sharing your families with us. This is about learning, sharing information. And so we just really appreciate you guys. But tell us um, your role at the Gift of Hope and um, what you guys uh, want to do there. Sure. Um, I'm the CEO, president and CEO of Gift of Hope, and I've been here about seven and a half years. Um, and I think we're We've, we've come to a slightly different place than most of our colleagues around the country in that we've moved from kind of the dual advocacy of advocating for both our recipients and our uh, donor families to really being almost entirely focused on our donor families under a kind of united under a banner of donation benefits, our families in ways that are just as incredible, if not more incredible than the way we benefit our recipients and our recipient families. So I'm the chief storyteller and the head of culture. That's what I do at Gift of Hope. <laughs> I love that. That's great. And and so I've, I've been knowing Kevin. Uh, to me, Kevin's one of the Kevins. <laughs> and and, and uh, I say that jokingly because uh, there's a few Kevins that I've, I've come to know and meet and admire uh, who are uh, CEOs of, of a number of different. I want to say there are five of you guys, uh, four or five yeah, CEOs. We, th- that the are, rule is if you don't have at least three Kevins on a committee, you don't really have a good <laughs> And I'm thinking Kevin Bacon now. So <laughs> if, you, if you know him, let us know. <laughs> so so Kevin talked a little bit about dual advocacy, uh, just to, to kind of elaborate uh, for the for those of you out there. You know, one thing that we try to do in the organ donation world, in the OPO world, organ procurement uh, world, is... Advocate for both sides, you know, advocate for donor families, of course, and then also advocate for those uh, patients that are waiting for a life-saving organ. And, and that's something that we've, we've done. We've kind of gone both ways, focused a little more at times on, on donor families, focused a little more, you know. And I don't want to say as though we're taking away from either side, but foc- focusing, making sure we bring stories in from the transplant, potential transplant recipient side. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit? about the, the paradigm shift or about the shift that you guys made, yeah. uh, you know, uh, overtly of, of going toward uh, the, the donor family side as opposed to the dual advocacy? Yeah, the story starts a, a little over seven years ago, actually. Um, next week, it'll be seven years. We had a case of a young man um, who was tragically uh, shot and killed in his home by a stray bullet um, in east of Gary, Indiana. And it was uh, just a case that really affected us because the family was so incredible um, and the circumstances were difficult and the timing of the year was was such that it, it impacted us. And so I decided to go to the memorial service. It was 
the first time I'd done that, I was a brand new CEO and I showed up for a memorial service in a very, very small church um, in a very, very poor section of Gary, Indiana. Um, I was the only guy dressed in a suit and tie, and I got into a long line of family and friends to get to the front of the church and pay my respects to the family and thank them for the generous gift they had given. Um, And when I got up to the front of the church, um, his mom was sitting in the front row. Uh, I leaned over and introduced myself. I'd never met the family and said I was from Gift of Hope. And she jumped up and she gave me a huge hug. And she turned to the rest of the family and then she said, Gift of Hope is here. And the next thing I know, I'm surrounded by people who are asking me about this young man's gift and how the recipients were doing and how many organs had been transplanted. And, you know, you get that kind of uncomfortable feeling when you're at a funeral and there's like 100 people behind you and there's that one guy who keeps talking to the family too long. Mm -hmm. I was that guy. And so I sat down in the church and waited for the service to start just kind of stunned. This wasn't what I expected. I was going to thank them, and yet they were so uh, glad to see me and so welcoming of me. Um, I I found that fascinating. And right before the service started, one of this young man's aunts came up and said, we'd like you to get up when it's time to eulogize my nephew and talk about his gift. And so I wound up speaking to a church full of 200 people, all family and friends about this young man's gifts and the patients that were, that were helped. And when I finished, everybody stood up and applauded. And I walked out a changed person. And I made it a point over the years to, to attend uh, services for all kinds of families. And it, it really, I found it fascinating that it didn't matter whether they were families from very wealthy areas of our service area, very poor, black, white, Hispanic, didn't matter what religious background. I had a very similar experience. Um, I meet these families after the tragedy of their loss, after the victory of their donation, and I meet them when they're looking to celebrate um, their gift. And uh, it became obvious to me that the gift we were giving these families um, was as powerful as the gift we were giving the recipients. Um, and so over the course of the years, it's really become a theme for us. And we've, we've taken to telling that story in our hospitals with our caregivers to let them know how important donation can be for, for their families um, because they own these families as much as we do. And we know that when they lose a patient, they turn to care for that family and they just don't have the time or the opportunity to do what we do for them. And mm-hmm. so it's a powerful message and a powerful story. And, I think it's been um, it's been well received here, um, and uh, the Grabmeyers are just another one of those families that uh, I think prove the point that donation can be incredibly healing um, for 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 these folks who've suffered unimaginable losses. Wow, that's a great story. Inspired me. I love that. Um, Frank and Cindy Grabmeyer uh, are with us as well here on the Gifted Life. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having us. Now, we are looking at the picture of this beautiful face, and on the picture it says, Mad Dog Strong. Um, This is your sweet Maddie, Maddie Mad Dog Grobmeyer, and we are all interested to learn more about this sweet face. Can you share? Sure. Well, it's a a bit of an unusual name, and and the way it, it came about was when Maddie was a few weeks old. I would sit on the couch and I would hold her in my arms and I would look at this tiny little precious baby and 
she looked so peaceful and calm. And then she went, let out a roar like a lion. She would cry. <laughs> and I said, man, those, it was amazing. I mean, that such a loud voice could come from such a little child. Uh-huh. And, and so, so I, I remembered um, a pitcher, a uh, baseball pitcher for the Chicago Cubs mm-hmm. and Atlanta Braves called Greg Mad Dog Maddox. Yep. And, and he was very unassuming. He had big, thick glasses. He looked like the boy next a door, nerd. but he was a hurler. He could really throw the ball. And, and I said, that was like Maddie. She's so unassuming. And then so I, and with the Maddie name, I called her Mad Dog. And then it kind of stuck and she went through gymnastics and they've, the name, she, let's just say she grew into that name. Uh, she was a, she was an inspired, happy, going for that brass ring kind of gal. Oh, I love the dad story. I love that dad bond. I love that. Um, so mom, that's dad. Tell us, tell us your version. <laughs> I just picked up on the moniker of Mad Dog and carried with it. Um, but like Frank said, she definitely grew into that name. Um, Maddie was a competitive gymnast and she started gymnastics in a mommy and me class when she wasn't even two years old. And the reason why was because her older sister, who was 16 and a half months older than her, I had her in the gymnastics class. And so I had to do something with Maddie because she just jumped off of everything and climbed on everything. And she, she definitely needed some place to channel her en- energy. So we started her in, in a mommy and me class at two. And then by the time she was three, you know, one of the coaches had pulled me aside and said, Oh, we're going to look at her for team. And I went, she's three. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, when she was um, not even six years old, they actually invited her to be on team. And then that became, that really be- shaped who she was, uh, she ended up, which is something unusual around here in Illinois, there's a gymnastics gym just about in every town. And it's really unusual for a gymnast to stay with the same gym her entire life. And Maddie did. Uh, she graduated from high school at competing for the same gym that she had competed with um, her entire life. And in fact, her head coach, uh, Jim Fredrickson, who was like a second dad to her, um, was in the hospital with us the entire time and was actually with oh. us through um, through Maddie's all the way through until after she came out of her uh, her donation mm-hmm. surgery and was there with us to say goodbye to her. So uh, if that if that doesn't tell you how important gymnastics was to who she was, that that's it. Oh, he was there. She was growing up. I love that. Um, so you talked about uh, donation. We know that that she is a hero. Um, but but talk to us about um, the conversation or how uh, that became part of your your family and the yes. So about um, about three months before Maddie uh, went passed away from her asthma attack, uh, she was involved in a really serious rollover car accident, actually on the one mile drive from high school from her high school to the gym with two of her teammates, and they all miraculously walked away with just bumps and bruises and scratches and you know some pretty serious mental scarring. But it prompted her about two or three weeks later to sit her dad and I down. And to tell us that, you know, she 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 had signed up to be an organ donor when she got her driver's license and that she wanted us to know that that accident kind of kind of scared her a little bit. And that if anything like that ever happened again and the outcome wasn't as good, that she wanted us to make sure that we knew that she wanted to be an organ donor and that that we would honor that decision. And so what we found was in those moments in the hospital uh, when we got the brain death diagnosis. And we actually were probably an unusual family from what we've been told in that we immediately asked for the OPO to come speak with us. They didn't even have to approach us. We requested them. 
And um, we, we knew in that moment that we had to honor that decision and that clarity in knowing that really helped us in those moments because we didn't have to go through the, gosh, what should we do? Should we, you know, should we honor it? Cause she wasn't, when she actually um, first got ill with her asthma attack, she was still 17. So they were requiring us to give consent. Um, so it, that clarity really helped us. And so, you know, our, our hope would be that no other family ever has to go through what we've been through, but we would hope that if a parent ever has to be in the situation that we're in, that they can have that same clarity because it was really a gift to us in, in those moments. I actually do approach families and I just wanted to re- reiterate what you said. It is very rare for families to be thinking of others in those in the worst days of their lives. So I just wanted to thank you and your husband and also Maddie, because, you know, we hear of those experiences where people have near death experiences and they they don't think about their the end of their life. They think about their life. And so for Maddie to do that, that's a testament to her and y'all that y'all wanted to honor that and that you sat down and had those important conversations. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So when she comes to you, she's about to turn 18, start her life. She wants to talk about donation. Was this a a shock? How was it received? Was this something that you guys had already talked about as adults between husband and wife? Um, But when your child comes to, tell us about that moment. Well, honestly, it was uh, at the time when she brought it up, I I said, this is morbid. I don't want to talk about this. This is not something... Mm -hmm. We talk about, you know, this is, you, I don't even want to think about anything tragic happening to you. So, and, and I give her all the credit. She, she demanded that we listen. She's and mad dog strong, so dad. Yeah. She absolutely was mad dog strong. And that's why, you know, we hear all the time people say, gosh, you're so strong for what you're trying to do and promote organ donation. And I said, that is Maddie. I, we would be disrespecting her if we didn't, you know, weren't strong and going out there and trying to do this. This was, this was her thing. This, this has become our thing, but this was her thing. She was always giving and always caring for others. She was an adaptive PE leader in high school, working with special needs kids. She volunteered for conservation organizations, trying to uh, get young people outdoors and hunting and fishing and and she was always about inspiring others. And in the gym, she was a leader. She won the leadership award two times. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this was her. We're just carrying on her legacy. Oh, I love that, her legacy. And that's what I want to talk about now. So um, she did an amazing thing. She's a hero. She saved lives through donation. And then you guys decided, because this all happened, how long ago? It's been just over eight months. Just over eight months. And um, so it's an incredible story. Um, the timeline um, seems fast from from my perspective. Um, but you guys want to shout her story. And, and I just love that. And it's the Mad Dog Strong Foundation. So tell us how that got started, uh, what you're trying to do with that, and how Maddie's legacy continues. Well, Frank and I are in a unique position that we, we kind of have the skill set to be able to tell Maddie's, Maddie's story, both of us um, are Frank is a marketing communications consultant, and I work in higher ed in communication. And so um, we're, we're very lucky in that we have the skills to be able to do what we're doing with Maddie's story. Um, but it was it was fairly quickly after Maddie passed that um, and that we really wanted to 
to help promote organ donation. And, and like I said, part of it was because um, we firsthand saw how much it helped us heal and cope with something that um, made absolutely no sense. At least it gave us some semblance of maybe there is a purpose for this and maybe this will help us recognize that purpose. And so um, it, it started as our motto is don't just check the box, have the conversation. So we really formed it around the idea of, of like I said, uh, making sure that if other families are put in that same position that we were put in, that they have the clarity to know what their what their child's decision was in terms of being an organ donor and perhaps even why they made that decision. I think there's a lot of stigmatization around talking about organ donation. You know, everybody's in favor of it, but we don't like to talk about it. Right. And mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important that we do have those conversations. And so the foundation has really just kind of moved forward from there in terms of trying to make sure that people are talking about it with their families. So if they are, God forbid, put in that position, that they have the clarity and the strength that they need to, to honor the decision of their loved one. And when she did have that conversation with you guys uh, and going back, uh, how long of a conversation was that? We have families that said it was just, it was 10 seconds. They were in line to get their license or we were watching the show and it was at about a minute. Do you guys uh, remember uh, the duration, how that went? It was very brief. It was a brief conversation. And like I said, I didn't even want to have the conversation with her, but, but she insisted and it didn't take long. It was very simple, um, but it did provide us incredible clarity, just like organ donation has provided us um, a very healing opportunity, an opportunity to heal. And it was a very brief conversation. Uh, so what, and what it, we're finding is that it's not just helping us heal. We're seeing it in a lot of Maddie's friends and her peers and the rest of our family, including our older daughter, that being able to talk about Maddie as being a donor makes it easier for people to talk about Maddie. You know, when, when people lose a child, it, it's, it's an awkward it's an awkwardness mm -hmm. when people approach you and, and, and want to talk with you. And what we found is that people aren't quite as awkward with us and they're more willing to share stories about Maddie. And for us, that's very cathartic and very healing being able to talk about her and, and talk about her in a positive light and, and have people looking upon her as, as a hero has definitely helped us in terms of our, our grief journey. Definitely. I love listening to you guys talk about her. Thanks for sharing uh, her story. Uh, the Mad Dog Strong Foundation, uh, I want to tell people you know, how to get in touch, how to follow. But what is your hope? I know that it's newer, um, but moving forward, um, do you have a goal set? Do you have a mission? Like, what, what is your hope for the Mad Dog Strong Foundation? Our hope is that we can continue to build a sustainable organization that can go out there and 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 move the needle on organ donation. Um, we're focused mainly on teens and young adults. Um, our goal is to, to, to make this a, not a taboo subject, something that can be talked about. We want to help these teens and young adults um, figure out conversation starters that, that they can bring this up to their family and how they can have this quick but important conversation. We want to move the needle in terms of registrations. We want to get more people registered to be organ donors. Um, it's, it's, it's something we're, we're building long term. Um, we're hoping to educate as many people we can 
primarily the, the teens and young adults on organ donation. So, uh, Frank, and I guess Frank and, and Kevin are either. So are you guys partnering up? Uh, is Maddie Strong Foundation partnering up with Gift of Hope and, and going into these high schools or civic organizations and things to, to educate teens? Yeah, we, um, we were late to the game as a state. We just passed our 16, 17-year-old registration bill uh, two years ago, three years ago, I guess it was, two years ago. Um, and the state doesn't have any kind of program to educate students. And so the Grabmeyers, with their skill set, have been unbelievable in helping develop a curriculum uh, that our goal is to get it into every high school um, to get 16, 17-year-olds in particular um, a chance to, to learn about organ donation um, more than just a, a two-minute conversation or the 10-second conversation you have at the DMV, but really to get them educated about it so they'll have the conversation with their family and register to be donors. Um, and the Grabmeyers are kind of our tip of the spear because they're the ones who are really driving this, this process. And, you know, hopefully um, over the next few years, we'll, we'll have our network of volunteers in every high school in the, in the state. Well, with that passion, I bet that you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for our listeners who are wanting to learn more about the Mad Dog Foundation, where can we send them? Um, our website is www.maddogstrong, that's M-A-D-D-O-G-S-T-R-O-N-G dot org. And uh, we're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can find us there as well. And I'm looking at this um, sweet picture that's stamped with Mad Dog Strong. Um, do you have a story behind that that picture? She's holding someone's hand. She's smiling. So sweet. <laughs> Honestly, we found that picture after she had passed and had never seen it. It was on her phone. I don't know where that picture came from. I think it was possibly at Lollapalooza the summer before. But um we, we've at, we've reached out to her friends, and none of them are quite sure whose hand she's holding in that picture. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's a mystery. That's, that's <laughs> but I think better. it tells a story. Like, I was like, oh, I bet you they did that um, to say, come with us, join us, follow mm-hmm. us, yeah. sign well, up. That's exactly the picture seemed very, very prophetic when I found it on her phone, and it, it just seemed to fit with what had happened. So, yeah, absolutely. Like most teens her age, um, she probably had. 10,000 pictures on her phone. So (laughs) to to go through them and find that one, that really stood out to us. That was a great one. There were plenty of pictures. So before we close, uh, Frank and Cindy, I have uh, a question for you guys. And it's it's about the recipients, about her recipients. Are you guys, I know it's obviously not been a very long period of time, so I'm assuming you guys haven't met anyone, but is it your intention at some point to uh, to meet any of the recipients and or their families? Yes, we would absolutely love to do that. Um, we did actually hear, we got it, received a letter from uh, a young girl who had received Ma- one of Maddie's kidneys. And we received that within just a, about two months after Maddie had passed, mm-hmm. which from what we've been told is, is very unusual. Um, and it was very ironic because she said she'd been on dialysis for years and all she wanted to do was travel. And um, now this gives her the opportunity to travel. And that was what Maddie wanted to do. Maddie, Maddie wanted to travel. She loved traveling and she wanted to see the world. So that was that was really amazing. But yes, we are hoping to meet our, our recipients, Maddie's recipients someday. Um, we uh, my little cousin, who is now six, when he was not quite two, 
ended up having two liver transplants. The first, we mm-hmm. almost lost him about three days before, um, before Thanksgiving. And I think that may have also been part of what inspired Maddie, but um, he met his, his donor's family uh, a few years ago. And that was really, really meaningful for them. Oh, I love that. Guys, here on the podcast, we talk about folks teaming together to make a difference. We're all on the same team. Uh, we're trying to make life happen. And we just love that you guys um, have joined us today to share your story. Um, we hope that it's shared. So everyone who's listening, please do this. Kevin, Frank, Cindy, thanks for joining us here on the Gifted Life podcast today. And thanks for sharing Maddie with all of us. Thank you. And thank you for being Mad Dog Strong. Okay, right now here on the podcast, we're going to take a moment, everyone, for mental health. Yeah, Sarah mentioned anger and shame earlier. Anger and shame. I don't see the connection. What? (laughs) Tell me more, Sarah. Okay, so um, today we're going to talk really about how anger can mask shame. Mm -hmm. And um, probably more, if we're going to really deep dive into it, it's for those like romantic relationships. So like with our partners. Joey's listening. So the emotional, (laughs) the ones you're more emotionally tied. Yes, the ones you have more intimacy with. This is probably where it'll hit a little bit harder. Um, I'm nervous. Is that normal? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Um, So really, we'll start with what is shame. And shame, honestly, is just a negative self-evaluation of ourselves. Judging ourselves. We're judging ourselves. That's exactly right. And it can manifests itself differently so when you're in those intimate relationships and you feel criticized by someone your immediate response can be anger because you feel judged but really what it is is you're judging yourself and you don't want your intimate partner to see that shame so you mask the shame by yes. by responding that way they can't see it. You There's growl. no way. Yeah. Right. And Don't we've come all done at it. it from that angle. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all <laughs> done it where someone that little nervous hit and we immediately are defensive and angry. Um and instead what we can do is be really, really assertive in our communication and say, This is why that made me feel shame or it reminded me of the shame I feel. Um, and so that's why I responded that way. And I mean, we all don't, we don't want to be criticized, especially by the people we're sharing our lives with. But when we take that away and when we recognize these, these are the things that make me judge myself, it really can open up to a better communication style with your partner and can make you feel less shame too, because we're all our biggest critic, right? I think at that moment though, my communication skills are silent. That's my power. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people use that silent treatment, right? Yeah. And that's okay for now to collect yourself. You know, take a moment to be silent. That's okay. Um, but when you come back. Because I'm thinking, like, what mm-hmm. am I going to say next? Is right. it going to be good and positive? And I think that's. Most times. <laughs> well, I think that's really smart that you do that instead of just responding right away because you're evaluating well, not yourself. All the time. <laughs> yeah. So is your silence like a pause or is it like a long silence? Depends that's on a big what's difference. going on, Joe. Like if he's criticizing my cooking, I'm like, well, you're not eating. <laughs> right. So, and we're not going to talk about it until tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You need your own moment to sometimes just feel angry or to feel. But recognize it take that moment and say why did I feel angry and it a lot of times it's going to go deeper because anger is that feeling and that emotion that's hiding something else Mm -hmm. so in order to build a better you know intimate relationship that's more vulnerable and connecting better 
you have to take a hard look at yourself sometimes, which is difficult. But if you do that, it can, those times when you do feel criticized or judged, it won't escalate as quickly if you just do that work. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take easy. a breath. Yep. Then I can talk about it clearly. Then here's what I was feeling. Right. Yes. So we'll talk about this tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Thanks, Sarah. Maybe you have a topic you want Sarah to cover. Info at thegiftedlife.org. We'd love to hear from you. In every episode of the Gifted Life podcast, we honor a hero. On this segment, you learned a little bit about Maddie. Now we learn more. Maddie Grobmeyer started taking gymnastics classes at the age of two. And by the time she was six, she was competing. She achieved level 10 status and planned to continue competing at the collegiate level at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. The Mad Dog Strong Foundation was created in the spirit of Maddie Mad Dog Grohmeyer, who passed away unexpectedly from an asthma attack the day after her 18th birthday. Maddie inspired many by donating her organs and tissues so that others could live on to do amazing things for the world. Only three months before she died, Maddie miraculously walked away with just a few bumps and bruises from a very serious car accident. That accident inspired her to sit down and have a conversation with her parents about organ donation. If something like this ever happens to me again and I don't make it, she said, promise me that you'll donate my organs so that something good can come from the tragedy. On June 30th, 2019, Frank and Cindy Grobmeyer respected Maddie's wishes, fulfilling her charitable and selfless request to be an organ donor. By creating the Mad Dog Strong Foundation, the Grobmeyer family plans to continue telling Mad Dog's story, inspiring other teens to have that conversation about organ and tissue donation. And now we pause and say thank you to Maddie Mad Dog for the gift of life. question and answer segment today. I have a donor card, but it's so old it's falling apart. Can your organization send another? Um, I'm sorry, what's a donor card? You don't know what a donor card <laughs> no. is? I don't really know either. Yeah, I don't know if I've well, ever seen one. Surprisingly, uh, or not so surprisingly, yeah? it is very old <laughs> and it's falling apart. Mm. Uh, so, so way back in my day, mm-hmm. uh, a few uh, years ago, mm. so that's, that's basically the only way we had to communicate that you were a donor. You sign, of course. I did, you know, go to the OMV or the DMV, mm-hmm. you know, but then you also filled out this little donor card and you kept it in your wallet. And mm. it, we actually were able to put, you know, if we wanted heart donated or lungs not that we knew any difference it was funny you know but that's just the way it was and you had that and you kept it in your uh, your wallet and that way if something would happen you know the 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 lopa back then or the organ procurement organization would be able to uh pull it and see that oh yes this person did want to donate and did want to donate heart not lungs Mm -hmm. uh, yes to kidneys and things like that yeah well as with everything it used to be paper tracking right right? and you talked about your reports even and having trouble deciphering 
right. <laughs> that yes, doctor's my, script or whatever my, right. that's going on. But as with everything, technology has come into our lives and um, hopefully improved for the better. So it's a lot of electronic tracking. So you'll hear our community educators, not only here in Louisiana, but across the country saying, go online mm-hmm. and register, right? Even the OMV. So everything's kind of tracked online. So from your iPhone, Sarah, you were talking about the health app that mm-hmm. you can do. Um, so there's really no need for that donor card, but still the need for you to talk to your family um, about your wishes. And that is our ask, right? Um, and if you know someone that isn't registered to be an organ, tissue, and eye donor, you can do so at the National Registry, registerme.org. It's that simple. And we ask that you do that today. So essentially, there is no more donor cards. Um, but when you go to the DMV and you say yes to whether you want to be an organ, tissue, and eye donor, they put that hard on your license. So that's kind of replacing the donor card, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So there's going to be a mark in Louisiana. It's that red heart. And we love mm-hmm. to see those red hearts. And we love to see the numbers rise because people are understanding about donation. But essentially, mm-hmm. you are carrying that card mm-hmm. from your license. Right. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, great question. If y'all have any more questions for us, please give us a call at 504-648-3477. And that, friends, is episode 131 of The Gifted Life. Powerful. Yes, it was. We thank Kevin Smunt, the CEO and president of Gift of Hope, for coming on and sharing uh, the Grove Myers with us, sharing Frank and Cindy, and then, of course, uh, for them to share Maddie with us was amazing. I have to say, you know, so many times we're trying to drive initiatives, and I say we as in the organ, you know, LOPA and the OPOs, but to see how just how instrumental Frank and Cindy are to drive the youth initiative there and and to know that that's what's going to that's what it's going to take to to make that change. We've been trying to make those changes for quite some time but to have the passion mm-hmm. of a donor family behind you. I love listening to them tell us about Maddie. I yeah. love that. I would listen to them all day. So, um, I'm curious to see how they move forward and I want to have them back here on the Gifted Life. So, we do thank them. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, we inspired you to register as an organ tissue and eye donor if you haven't already. Registerme.org. That's easy, one stop shop for you. And remember, the best place to find us, tell your friends to find us, is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. You can listen to us there or anywhere you listen to your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Google, or Spotify. And if you listen on Apple, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe so that others can find us. If you're on social media, like our page on Facebook, The Gifted Life Podcast, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram, at Gifted Life Pod. One more ask, guys. We want you to go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. It's a team effort. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next time. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. Troy Perez.